Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The cheerleaders at a gym in Buffalo have been recording themselves. What's up? To make a new documentary. We're the so-called news reporters. Because one year ago... A mass shooting changed their lives. He just walked around and shot all the black people. The cheer squad, most of whom are black, had to figure out how to go on and how to compete. I wanted the win for them more than anything this season. Listen to the Embedded podcast from NPR within the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it is time to find a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Berenbaum. On paper, he was perfect, but in reality... This guy is a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of a man who's fascinated me. His name was Sweet Daddy Grace, and that's a name you don't forget. He was a visionary who built a fortune as a black man during Jim Crow, during the Depression. But today, not many people know about him. Erased, sort of wiped out, and I wonder if this was done intentionally. Listen to Sweet Daddy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Srira. And I'm Arti. We have spent the last 20 years building and working at some of the largest companies in the world. We worked with some remarkable people, Rob McElhinney. When I see the people of Wrexham, I grew up exactly like them. Check out the Arti and Sriram show. That is A-A-R-T-H-I and 
S R I R A M show. Listen to the Aarti and Sriram show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Much of today's testimony was about the rocky relationship between Hannah Roden and Jake Wagner. The two had dated, and they also had a daughter together. Okay, Miss Manley, can you tell us who she was afraid of? The Wagner family. You know, this was an abusive relationship between Hannah Mae and Jake. She talked about Jake chasing her down in a vehicle one time. Even though George Wagner is the one on trial here, all of this testimony about Jake is relevant because prosecutors say a custody battle over is the reason four members of the Wagner family murdered eight members of the Roden family. One of the defense lawyers told the jurors that every time you hear the Wagners, keep in mind that George Wagner is the only one on trial here. This is The Piketon Massacre, Return to Pike County. Season 4, Episode 8, A Family Torn. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a television producer at KT Studios with Stephanie Lidecker and Jeff Shane. In the middle of George Wagner IV's trial, a typical Ohio fall has settled on Piketon. The wind has picked up and temperatures are dropping into the 30s. But unlike the vibrant autumn leaves springing up all around the Pike County Courthouse in Waverly, Ohio, the mood in the courtroom is dark. In the biggest murder investigation in Ohio's history, Jake Wagner's older brother, George IV, stares down eight counts of aggravated murder with death penalty specifications. It's important to note that George Wagner IV, currently on trial, has pleaded not guilty and has maintained he did not kill anyone. His father, Billy Wagner, whose trial is upcoming, has also pleaded not guilty to all charges. This episode contains frequent mentions of the names of the children impacted by this crime. We will continue to avoid exposing their identities. Here's Judge Randy Deering. Now, is the state ready to proceed at this time? Yes, sir. Is the defense ready to proceed? Yes. All right. The state may call another witness. Of course, this entire trial has been gut-wrenching, but today's testimony was also deeply emotional as Prosecutor Angie Canepa called friends and family of the rodents to the stand. These relatives and friends were forced to relive the day the rodents had been murdered, where they were when they found out whom they were with and how they handled the harrowing news. Your Honor, the state will call April Manley to the stand. The first witness was April Manley, the wife of James Manley, Dana Roden's brother. April was Hannah Mae's aunt and extremely close to her. She has long blonde hair and wears a rose-colored v-neck sweater on the stand. Intermittently, April wipes tears from her eyes. She lives less than a mile to the east of Dana Roden's home. On the morning of the murders, April said she rode in the ambulance to Adams County Regional Medical Center with Hannah Mae's newborn baby, her child with Charlie Gilly. The four-day-old was unharmed. Fighting back tears, April said her husband James knew something was wrong when, outside the rodent home, he heard Hannah Mae's infant crying nonstop. They knew Hannah Mae would not let her baby cry like that. So your husband comes back and tells you that, that he believes Dana is dead. Yes. What do you do as a result of that? 
I went with him out to Dana's. He was an emotional wreck. I didn't want him to be alone. Did he tell you anything about at that time? James, yes. He yeah. said that he'd heard crying, but he went and walked back there because he knew what kind of mother Hannah was and she wouldn't be letting cry like that. So he was concerned because he felt Hannah would have been tending to the baby. Yes. Then, at the hospital, April had what she described as an unsettling encounter with Jake. According to April, Jake seemed apathetic about Hannah Mae Roden's death. He seemed more concerned with taking custody of her newborn child, who, we would come to learn, was not even his. And while you were there, did anybody else show up to the hospital? I don't recall who all, but I knew there was a couple of my nieces and nephews there and a cousin of mine. And then eventually at the end, Jake showed up, Jake Wagner. Okay. And where were you when Jake Wagner showed up? I was outside. Okay. And can you tell us how that interaction went? It was motionless. That makes sense to you. He didn't cry. He wasn't worried about nothing. Wasn't someone that bought, had just lost someone they claimed to love. So he was not showing emotion at that time? Okay. Why was he there? He came to check on to see if he could take her. Did you inform him that he could not take her? Yes. Okay. And did he hug you at all while he was there? Yes. April then commented that she wondered whether Jake had Hannah's blood on him when he was embracing her. Jake was extremely controlling over Hannah Mae Roden, April said, and had negatively shaped her body image. He was very controlling over Hannah. Like, we wasn't allowed to take Check or treat, and even though if it's Hannah's week, Hannah was always a chunky little monkey, and she had got down so tiny because he would tell her that she was fat and tell her not to eat. Did Hannah ever tell you that she was scared? Yes. Of Jake. Yes. And did she indicate that she was afraid of Jake and his family? Yes. Okay. And can you tell us what? she was afraid of. Objection. The defense objects to this line of questioning and Judge Deering sustains the objection. According to April, Jake also physically threatened Hannah on multiple occasions, even engaging her in a dangerous high-speed chase. And can you tell us, you indicated Jake Wagner was the one who would be around the most because of Hannah, and that he would sometimes be up at that residence that Frankie and Hazel were found in when Dana and Hannah and little Chris lived there. Yes. Can you tell us what your interactions would have been with him? We didn't interact. I didn't like him. He didn't like me. Okay. Why not? Because he thought I was nosy and needed to stay in my place because I would defend Hannah. Okay. And how do you know that he felt that way? Because I was at my house one evening and Ned got into it. 
and Hannah left. She had just got a driver's license. She was a new driver. And she called me. He had left after her, and she called me and said he was chasing her around at high speeds. And I told her to try to get away somewhere, and she got, finally got away from him and hid behind a church on Union Hill. And I called her mom, and her mom called her dad, and then I called Hannah back and stayed on the phone with her until Chris got to her. April commented that it wasn't only Jake she found scary. Hannah was also fearful of Billy Wagner, who usually walked around with a gun holster to his side. April also described the disturbing experience of seeing the Wagners at the rodents' funerals. Did you see Billy Wagner there at the funeral? Yes. Did you observe any injuries on him at that time? He had bruising on his face. And what about Jake Wagner? Did you see him at the funerals? Yes. Emotional and raw, April Manley was an effective witness for Angie Canepa's team, offering deeper insight into Jake's depravity. Here's Law & Crime Network reporter Anjanette Levy. She's been following the case for years. I think April Manley provided some really good testimony for the prosecution. She talked about how, you know, this was an abusive relationship between Hannah Mae and Jake. She talked about how the Wagners, Billy, George, and Jake attended the funerals of the Roden family members. I mean, that's pretty stunning to think that somebody who was part of killing your family members showed up at the funerals with their family members who were also accused. Now, Billy and George maintain they didn't do this. They've pleaded not guilty. But just the fact that we actually have photographs and video of Jake and George and Billy at the funerals is pretty stunning. It's very eerie, but April Manley provided some testimony that was very damaging to Jake Wagner. It should be pointed out that none of April's testimony incriminates George IV or puts him at the crime scene. Nor does it indicate that George Wagner had any motive to carry out his brother's grudge against Hannah Mae Roden. But according to Ohio-based criminal defense attorney and legal analyst Mike Allen, Kanepa is trying to weave a larger narrative about the Wagners as a family unit that did everything together, including murder. One of the defense lawyers in his opening statement was very, very short, told the jurors that every time you hear the Wagners, you know, keep in mind that George Wagner is the only one on trial here. And, you know, we don't know what went on in chambers when the judge talks to the prosecutor and defense counsel. I mean, perhaps the judge told the prosecutor, hey, you know, you're getting a little bit of field on some of these witnesses. You're going to have to narrow it down. That happens all the time. But it it sure seems, though, like he had pretty much free reign to to tell the tale of the Wagner family, even if if what the witnesses were saying was not particularly relevant to George. A lot of testimony came in that was not relevant to George. As a matter of fact, I'd go as far as to say most of it. But again, she's telling the story. The judge was letting her do it. I would have done the same thing if I was prosecuting the case. Judges will permit prosecutors to do things like this, telling the tale and, and setting it up like that. But at some point, if it gets to be too much, the judge can step in. But He didn't feel it appropriate to do that, and 
you know, again, I think it was the prosecutor's desire to just to weave the tale about how awful this family was. Another part of the prosecution's strategy is to maintain constant sympathy for the victims. Obviously, the prosecutor wants to create as much sympathy for the victims that she can. And from what I understand, she has been able to do that. You know, the rodents are obviously their family members were brutally murdered and and they want to be there. And it helps the state, too, with the jury, because, again, I think there was emotion shown at the appropriate time. So it helps the state. Were the Wagners, including George, the tight-knit clan they appeared to be? Did they always take action as a unit, following what's known in the Appalachian Fringe as the Code of the Hills? So far, the prosecution may have fallen short of proving that. Here again, Anjanette. Jake's daughter, custody of his daughter, is really what the prosecution says was the motive in this case. And they say it's a conspiracy and that four people were involved in the conspiracy. So... A lot of the testimony seems to point more to Jake, and we hear way more about Jake and Angela Wagner than we do about George. So George seems like in some ways to not be that much of a fixture or a feature in his own murder trial at a lot of points when we're listening to some of this testimony. It seems strange. It's not the first time I've covered a trial where it seems like you don't hear that much about the defendant. When I've seen this happen in the past, it's always been in a a case that involved more than one defendant, right? I mean, Jake Wagner is really the main player in this case. And Jake Wagner, of course, pleaded guilty and admitted it, said that this is why the family carried out these crimes. But if you're George Wagner's defense attorneys, I would think you'd be thinking, you know what, my guy's name hasn't been mentioned very often up to this point, so... I'd be trying to exploit that as much as I could because it's all been about Jake and Hannah Mae or about Angela and Hannah Mae or Angela and Jake and the child. It hasn't really been that much about George. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. Back in the 1990s in Las Vegas, a few of us dated the most eligible bachelor in town, Bob. He spoke several languages. He did medical missionary work, and he was Jewish. He was perfect on paper. But he wasn't. He really wasn't. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. Bob could lie about anything. It only takes the one time and somebody ends up dead. Unfortunately for Bob, us girlfriends know how to fight back. I wanted him to pay for his crime. He needed to be put to justice. I'll be honest with you, if I saw him right now, I'd spit on him. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. I will always hound you and haunt you. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From iHeart Podcasts. What in the hell is going on in here? Everyone has their limits. I never confronted a situation like this. I just thought it was just a really terrible, immoral thing. A line they won't cross. I was stunned, and I just said, no. We're killing people. You may never have to face that decision. When you find yourself at that line. Thoughts racing, hearts racing. And somebody needs to just, for once, give everybody the whole truth. I'm like, this is evil. 
and the only person who can sound the alarm is you. I wasn't just going to sit silently by. From iHeart Podcasts, these are the whistleblowers. If you are disloyal, bad things are going to happen. Please speak out. Disgrace to our country. He will pay. He should be prosecuted. When power corrupts, conscience is the last line of defense. I'm Miles Taylor. Listen to the whistleblowers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name's Laverne Cox. I'm an actress, producer, fashionista, and host of The Laverne Cox Show. You may remember my award-winning first season. I've been pretty busy, but there's always time to talk to incredible guests about important things. People like me have been screaming for years, we got to watch the Supreme Court. What they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is evil. They will take things away. And I can only hope that Dobbs is that, like, Pearl Harbor moment. Girl, you and I both know what it took to just get through the day in New York City and get home in one piece. And so the fact that we're here and what you've achieved and what I've achieved, you know, that's momentous. It's not just us sitting around complaining about some bills. The only reason that you might think, as Chase said, that we're always miserable is because people are constantly attacking us and we're constantly noticing it. Listen to The Laverne Cox Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share. L.A.'s reputation, not so great. People from L.A. will have a very superficial, nice conversation with you, and they won't lift a finger to help you. L.A. people represent vapidity. Stop that. Like, oh, the best calls. Like, oh, shoot me. As someone born and raised here, I can tell you there's much more to L.A. than this. My name is James Kim, and I'm the creator of a new anthology fiction podcast called You Feeling This. It's 10 different stories about L.A., and the real people who make up this city. What up, Lisa? Did you listen to my message? We're just trying to get by. I think I was just freaking out because I'm scared. By connecting with each other. <laughs> I'm going to be a father? Yeah. <laughs> you feeling this? A fiction podcast mixtape about love. Listen to it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. April Manley's son, Cody, also takes the stand. He's got short blonde hair and glasses and wears a blue checkered button-down shirt. He is very composed. Please tell me if I am correct about this. Your testimony is that you saw George Wagner a few times at Chris's fireworks, correct? Yes. Okay. And that you knew him enough to recognize him, correct? Correct. And in addition to that, you saw him at the funeral? Correct. Okay. Do you recognize him in the courtroom here today? Yes. And can you please tell us where he is sitting and what he is wearing? Over there in that vest and white shirt and black tie. Cody and Frankie Roden were best friends. Frankie lived down the road from Cody and rode with him every day to work. On the morning of April 22nd, Frankie didn't show up at Cody's house like he usually did. So Cody drove over to the rodents to see what was going on. Cody described arriving at the scene of the murders and seeing his Aunt Bobby Jo Manley's car along with the police officer's car. He then walked into the scene of the crime. 
I just pulled alongside the road and walked in a Frankie's. Okay. And can you tell us where did you see the car, the cop car, and where was Bobby Joe's car? In Bobby Joe's car was in the driveway slash yard, and the cop car was like driveway slash road. Okay. So kind of half half in the driveway and half in the road. Right. Okay. And you walked into Frankie's house. Right. Okay. And what happened? I went to his bedroom and like froze. Why did you freeze? Because I saw things I didn't want to see. What he saw was Frankie Roden and Hannah Hazel lying in a pool of blood. Cody testified that Chris Sr.'s dog, Chance, probably knew the killers because it would have likely attacked them if he didn't. Something special about Chance. Something different. What was that? Mm, What do you mean, different? Well, was Chance a gentle dog or, or not? To me, yes, he was gentle. To you, and Chance knew you because you'd been to that property often, right? Right. How was Chance with people he didn't know? Uh, they wouldn't have went in the house. Here's Anjanette's overview of Cody's testimony. Cody Manley is Hannah May's cousin and the son of James and April Manley. And he was close with Frankie Roden. He ended up actually going down to Frankie's house and saw Bobby Joe in the driveway. And he walked into the house to see what was going on. And he actually found Frankie and Hannah Hazel dead in the bed. A deputy came in and told him, look, you've got to get out of, out of here. He said he was frozen. He just couldn't move. And he testified about Hannah Mae being fearful of the Wagners. He didn't say necessarily that Hannah Mae was fearful of George, but that she did fear the Wagners. She wasn't living there with the Wagners anymore. That's why she broke it off with Jake. He had made some threats to her in the past as well and kept her in her bedroom for periods of time and wouldn't let her leave the house. So listening to Cody Manley talk about how Hannah was fearful of the Wagners was pretty telling. First of all, can you tell us your name? Kendra Roden. Okay. And Kendra, can you tell us how old you are? 25. Okay. And where do you work? Um, I currently work as a nurse at Brookdale. Um, It's a nursing facility for dementia residents. (laughs) Okay. And where is that located? In Inglewood, Ohio. Kendra Roden, Kenneth's daughter, also gave heart-wrenching testimony. She wore a white shirt with lace accents and her long blonde hair in a neat braid. She was extremely close to Hannah Mae and witnessed many of Jake's abuses. And you mentioned Hannah. Who are you talking about when you say Hannah? Um, Hannah Roden, she was Chris's daughter. She was my cousin, my best friend. We were like sisters. And can you tell us for how long of your life that was? Was that, did that start in early childhood or did that start later in life? Um, early childhood. We were only a month apart, so we had been together forever. Kendra echoed April Manley's claim that Jake was controlling and cruel. Did you continue to hang out with Jake and Hannah on various occasions? Yes. Okay. Was there ever a time that you expressed a disliking of Jake? Yes, I told Hannah I did not like Jake. Okay. 
And can you tell us what led you to say that? Um, he would constantly try to be controlling. He would follow her anywhere we went. She was never allowed to be alone. So give us some examples of that. An example would be when we went to the Raritan Whitetail Deer Festival. Hannah would like need to go to the bathroom or we would say that we were going to go to the bathroom and Jake had to tag along. And then he would wait outside until we were done. And did anything happen at the, I believe you said the Scioto County Fair? Yes, ma'am. Okay. At the Scioto County Fair, um, Jake had made a demeaning remark to Hannah Roden and grabbed her by the arm in which I turned and kicked him in the shin because I didn't like it. And then Hannah got in between the both of us. She had come to me, she had arranged a um, little day for us to be together. Um, and we had went to a man-made pond that my family had built out on Left Fork Road. We were swimming and fishing in the pond there. Um, when she stopped and she told me that she was pregnant, I thought she was joking. I was hoping she was joking. Um, but she told me she was really pregnant with his child and that everything was going to be okay. Did you support her through that process? As much as I could, I wasn't allowed to be around. And when you say you weren't allowed, by whom? By Jake Wagner. At one point during her separation, Hannah shared with Kendra deeply disturbing voice recordings of Jake. It was testimony that ran a gauntlet of objections from the defense. At some point, did Hannah end up leaving uh, Jake Wagner? Yes, ma'am. And what do you remember from that? Um, the night that she had left Jake, she came to my mother's res residency where I was staying at, 70 Millers Lane, um, and she was a little distraught. We lied in my bed, and she had played audio recordings from Jake Wagner, um, phone calls that they had had or from when they were in person. There were multiple different ones about um, incidents that had occurred between Jake and her. Okay. And... Do you know what occurred between them? Yes, ma'am. She not only told me, but had played audio recordings of um, Jake admitting to hitting her, choking her, pushing her against a wall. When he was admitting to that stuff, what, what was the tenor of those, or the tone of those uh, recordings? Was he um, saying other things to her, for instance? And was this before or after Hannah had left Jake? It was after she had left Jake. How were you able to listen to this conversation? Hannah had the phone on speakerphone. That way I could be witness to anything that was said. Okay. And that was an intentional act on her part? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And how do you know that it was Jake Wagner on the other end of the phone? I've met Jake before. I've talked to Jake before. I know his voice. And what was that discussion that you heard? The discussion was actually because Hannah had found out she was pregnant with her um, youngest and Jake had believed that was his, and we were trying to point out to him that she absolutely was not his, and that he couldn't be a part of her life. And at what point do you learn? My Aunt Michelle had later got a text because none of us had service, um, and she became frantic and screamed out that my father was dead. You were still at the church at that time? Yes, ma'am. Let's stop here for another break. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. Back in the 1990s in Las Vegas, a few of us dated the most eligible bachelor in town, Bob. 
He spoke several languages. He did medical missionary work, and he was Jewish. He was perfect on paper. But he wasn't. He really wasn't. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. Bob could lie about anything. It only takes the one time and somebody ends up dead. Unfortunately for Bob, us girlfriends know how to fight back. I wanted him to pay for his crime. He needed to be put to justice. I'll be honest with you, if I saw him right now, I'd spit on him. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. I will always hound you and haunt you. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From iHeart Podcasts. What in the hell is going on in here? Everyone has their limits. I'd never confronted a situation like this. I just thought it was just a really terrible, immoral thing. A line they won't cross. I was stunned, and I just said, no. We're killing people. You may never have to face that decision. When you find yourself at that line. Thoughts racing, hearts racing. And somebody needs to just, for once, give everybody the whole truth. I'm like, this is evil. And the only person who can sound the alarm is you. I wasn't just going to sit silently by. From iHeart Podcasts, these are the whistleblowers. If you are disloyal. Bad things are going to happen to you. speak out. Disgrace to our country. He will pay. He should be prosecuted. When power corrupts, conscience is the last line of defense. I'm Miles Taylor. Listen to The Whistleblowers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name's Laverne Cox. I'm an actress, producer, fashionista, and host of The Laverne Cox Show. You may remember my award-winning first season. I've been pretty busy, but there's always time to talk to incredible guests about important things. People like me have been screaming for years, we got to watch the Supreme Court. What they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is evil. They will take things away. And I can only hope that Dobbs is that, like, Pearl Harbor moment. Girl, you and I both know what it took to just get through the day in New York City and get home in one piece. And so the fact that we're here and what you've achieved and what I've achieved, you know, that's momentous. It's not just us sitting around complaining about some bills. The only reason that you might think, as Chase said, that we're always miserable is because people are constantly attacking us and we're constantly noticing it. Listen to The Laverne Cox Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share. How rude, Tanneritos, is the Full House Rewatch podcast you've been waiting for. Each week, get together with iconic characters Stephanie Tanner and Kimmy Gibbler, also known as actresses Jodie Sweetin and Andrea Barber, as they team up to relive every episode of your favorite Friday night comfort show. We spent our entire childhoods on a little show called Full House, playing frenemies, but becoming besties whenever the cameras weren't rolling. And now, 35 years later, it's our biggest adventure yet. Get ready for Jodie and Andrea to tell all as they take an in-depth look back at life in and around the Tanner home. From the very, very very beginning. So if you think you know everything there is to know about Full House, how rude. We'll be reliving every moment with you and we'll be joined by our Full House family including all your favorites from 192 episodes. We'll reveal the hidden treasures you may have missed within the show and we'll take a trip down memory lane together. Listen to How Rude Tanneritos on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Angie Canepa asked Kendra to describe the moment she learned of the murders and was helped out by a, quote, statey or state police. Do you stay at the church? Um, Upon learning that my father had been killed as well, I walked down the um, hill there until a family friend had actually picked me up. Her name was Melissa. And I told her that I just needed to get across the highway. She took me across the highway and I got out. Um, there was a steady there that stopped me. Um, I just, I was trying to get to Hannah because I just wanted to be with her. I was crying and the steady, I had dropped to the ground. The steady helped me get back up. At what point did you learn that something had happened? My boyfriend at the time had woke me up around 8.30. Um, we had missed a phone call from a family friend, Nicole Francis, that had said that my uncle, um, Chris Sr. had been shot. She had heard it on a police radio. So I called her back, and at that point, she had told me that Chris had been shot. I tried to call Hannah. I couldn't get a hold of Hannah. I couldn't get a hold of anybody. So my brother and I, his girlfriend and my ex-boyfriend, we drove to Union Hill, in which we were stopped just before Frankie's um, driveway. Okay. Stopped by whom? Um, the sheriffs that were there. At the time that you got that call, was the only information you had was that Chris Sr. had been shot? Yes, ma'am. Okay. At what point did you learn differently? At some point, my brother, um, Luke Roden, had obtained some information from one of the sheriffs that Hannah had also been shot, um, in which he had come and told me that she had been shot as well, and she was dead. What did you do at that point? I became very upset. I couldn't believe that she had also been shot. Um, I cried. Um, we, there was a few of us that had actually tried to push past the sheriffs. At this point, George IV's lawyer began a flimsy cross, asking Kendra if she had any knowledge of Chris Sr.'s drug dealings. The line of questioning ran aground. Now, referring to the information which you had provided uh, previously to law enforcement, uh, you had given information about an individual you know as Big Mike, is that right? Yes. And Big Mike is someone who is from the Cincinnati area? To my knowledge. Okay. That's information that you had given agents though, right? That I had heard from my father. You were asked about drug dealing with uh, your, your family's involvement with drug dealing, right? You were asked that question? Yes. Okay. And, uh, and so I'm eventually going to ask you about Big Mike. Did you ever observe an African-American male with Chris Sr. or your father? Not that I recall. Okay. Do you have personal knowledge of Chris Sr. preparing to buy a building for a pill mill? No. Do you remember providing that information to agents? I provided it based on hearsay. You were also asked about Billy Wagner by, or by agents, right? Yes. You described the relationship between Chris Sr. and Billy Wagner as business associates. Yes. Okay. You're aware of Chris Sr.'s involvement with marijuana trafficking, right? Yes. And you're aware that he was engaged in more than just marijuana trafficking? Not firsthand knowledge. You had told BCI agents about more than just marijuana trafficking. Right. Yes, based on what I heard. Thank you. Thank you. 
again and again the defense failed to gain ground in George IV's favor. But neither really did the prosecution make a clear case against Jake's older brother, George. Instead, they seemed focused on painting Jake as a sociopath. Here again, Mike Allen. It's not all that probative or relevant because George is on trial, not Jake. But I think the prosecution had a strategy to to paint uh, Jake as kind of a depraved lunatic uh, throughout the entire trial. And I think they were successful in doing it. I mean, any time that they could take a shot at Jake one way or the other, they did. I, I think that was probably the strategy there. Oh, I think the jury's picking up on that. And the prosecutor has been pounding it throughout the trial. And it just shows that this is a family like no other family that I've seen before. They're depraved and they don't care about anyone other than their family. And that is coming through loud and clear on this trial. But George's abusive tendencies will come to light soon when his ex-wife Tabitha takes the stand. Here's Mike and Anjanette. Well, Tabitha was on the stand the next day and gave testimony uh, that she worked at the group home that Frederica Wagner owned. It was called Crystal Springs. Uh, she cheated on George while working at that, uh, that group home. They fired her and took her phone. She wasn't allowed to go outside home alone when she was there. And it's really frightening, too. You know, she talked about that night she fled the house. She said that Angela and Hannah Mae had gone out uh, to get some toys for the kids. And she was home with her son. And Angela had told her, she claimed, that she needed to clean up the dishes from lunch. Well, she didn't do it. She laid down to take a nap with her son. And she said that when Angela came home, she was very upset with her for not completing that task or that chore. There was an argument. George got upset with her for yelling at Angela. George slapped her and hit her with a belt. She escaped living with them by hiding under George's truck, then getting a bike out of the barn and riding away. She rode the bike down to the gas station down the road and she had her mom pick her up. Uh, She was hiding from them because she was scared of being shot. Uh, George took their son to Alaska when the Wagners fled, but did not let Tabitha know. She had no contact with her son. While the Wagners were in Alaska, George kept making excuses as to why. And one of George's closest friends testifies that George wasn't his usual self after the killings. Samantha Staley had also testified, though, that after the homicides, she was with George and some other people, and they went fishing. And she said he wasn't the same George. He just seemed different. It wasn't the same George. And she brought up the fact that Frankie had been killed and the rest of the family, and he, George, she said, told her to shut the F up, which sounds like it was pretty out of character for him at least when dealing with her. More on that next time. For more information on the case and relevant photos, follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. The Piketon Massacre is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Alan Weeder, Andrew Arnau, Gabriel Castillo, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Music by Jared Aston. 
The Piked and Massacre is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it is time to find a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Berenbaum. On paper, he was perfect. But in reality... This guy's a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I would call him and I would say, I know you killed my sister. You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sriram. And I'm Arti. We have spent the last 20 years building and working at some of the largest companies in the world. We worked with some remarkable people. Rob McElhinney. When I see the people of Wrexham, I grew up exactly like them. Check out the Arti and Sriram show. That is A-A-R-T-H-I and S-R-I-R-A-M show. Listen to the Arti and Sriram show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of a man who's fascinated me. His name was Sweet Daddy Grace, and that's a name you don't forget. He was a visionary who built a fortune as a black man during Jim Crow, during the Depression. But today, not many people know about him. Erased, sort of wiped out, and I wonder if this was done intentionally. Listen to Sweet Daddy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Will Daly. For years, I've been on the road playing shows and seeing America through live music. This summer, I'll hit the stage with season two of Sound of Our Town. Ten cities, 12 episodes, every other Thursday. We explore the live music venues and culture of a new American city with each new episode. Our tour continues into the kind of venues you want to get to when you land in Detroit, Providence, Denver, or Seattle. Listen to Sound of Our Town on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. 
Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.